Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Curious Competitor Podcast. I'm your host today, current New Jersey Devils defenseman, Connor Carrick. I'm very excited today to speak with a friend that I made in my time as a Toronto Maple Leaf, Craig Ballantine. Craig is a a business coach, personal trainer turned business coach. He is an author of multiple best-selling books in the Perfect Day Formula, uh, Unstoppable. He also hosts uh, worldwide his Perfect Life uh, workshops. He has uh, facilitated the growth of multiple uh, seven-figure fitness empires. He is the host of the Empire Podcast Show, as well as Early to Rise Radio. He is someone that I look up to in the business world. He has this really strong sense uh, of accountability and discipline and where it leads to uh, freedom and creativity in his life. He is a he definitely walks the walk. That's what I think what I think of when I think of uh, Craig Ballantine, and that's something that really excites me about our conversation today. And thank you for joining us wherever you are in the world. Let's do it. Craig, I'm super excited we're uh, talking today. I don't really remember. We became friends uh, in my time as a Toronto Maple Leaf. And, you know, I guess I think I had really discovered you and your work and you came across as very no nonsense. You had a strong uh, relationship with accountability. And I, you know, as someone who's, who's dealt with sometimes scramble headedness, anxiety, for sure, I think it's something that you've dealt with and you've always done um, a good job, definitely in your social media channels and in, in some of the books that you've sent me, uh, organizing a lot of that. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I want to go all the way back to sort of your origin story of, you know, you grew up on a farm, you know, up in Canada and you've developed now into this high profile, uh, business coach with, with big dreams and, and, you know, a great resume to boot, you know, what were some of the, you know, bigger lessons in life moments that kind of took you and that's a loaded question I know, but you know, we're take us along your path there a bit. Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up in Stratford, Ontario, Canada. There were some great hockey players that came through there for the junior B team, like Eddie Olchuk and Rob. Eddie Blake Olchuk came. played up there. He's a Chicago boy. Wow. Yeah, like I didn't know he played all the way up there. Yeah, I mean that would have been like when I some of my first memories was seeing him play, and then Nelson Emerson came through there. Was another good one. Garth Snow was the goalie for a while. So you know he had some great players, but up in that part of the world, you do two things. You play hockey and drink beer, you drink beer and play hockey. It doesn't matter what order you do it in, you're just gonna end up doing it. Now, <laughs> now awesome. unfortunately, um, you know, I, I, there was no way I was gonna play in the NHL because even when you're good in Stratford, you're not that good anywhere else. Uh, sorry, even when you're good in Stratford, there's still a whole bunch of guys that are really good because it's a hockey town. And so I realized I wouldn't play, but I wanted to be involved in the league. So I tried to become a strength and conditioning coach in the National Hockey League. And I went to McMaster University and I got a master's degree and I started going to hockey conferences and started working with hockey players. And then I stumbled across the opportunity to write for Men's Health Magazine. And my life changed really because you know, you're friends with Matt Nickel, right? The, the yep. strength coach up yep. in Toronto. I mean, Matt Nickel and I both had similar goals, but we have different personalities. You can't force that guy to sit behind a computer for more than five minutes. I can't be in the training room going in depth as Matt is for five minutes. And so I'm made for being a nerd, being behind a computer. So I started writing for Men's Health Magazine and he went on to create BioSteel, which is amazing. So I then 
went and started selling my own workout programs on the internet for the men's health type readers. So essentially I was, I like to say I was Canada's version of Tony Horton, um, <laughs> the guy who created P90X. I actually would tell that to the customs guys once in a while and they, they didn't really like think it was that funny, but I did. And so anyways, I was doing that for a long time. But, you know, if you go back to what I did when I was a kid, which was, you know, drink beer and play hockey. I, I was a classic binge drinker on the weekend as an introverted type person. I ended up with anxiety attacks from being introverted, being a binge drinker, being living a hypocritical lifestyle, staying out too late, working all the time. And it just caught up to me. And so I had two really bad anxiety attacks in 2006. And they were right around King Street West in Toronto, where you and I met in person for the yep. first time. I was living there in 2006. And I realized, you know, something had to change. So I started getting really... You know, disciplined, I guess, is one word to describe it, but more ritualized and more into routines and stuff like that, that removed a lot of stress from my life. And I start to say now that or I started to say in about 2015 that structure equals freedom, because when I had the anxiety attacks, Connor, I suffered from the paradox of freedom. I was really fortunate. My online business was taking off. I no longer had to be a personal trainer. And I was I was lucky. I was a personal trainer to Toronto's rich and famous. Like Pat Quinn was one of my clients for a while when he was the coach. Really great I guy. Love Learn, Pat Quinn story. Learned so much. I, I mean, that guy Pat could Quinn tell story. a story, but also give you a great life lesson, you know, in the same workout. And then and then but you didn't want to get clubbed by those like his meaty hands were like Bear the size pump, of yeah. my hand, my head. It was crazy. <laughs> so I didn't want to be a personal trainer. Um, I want to do this online thing. And so eventually I made my way out of it. But now I didn't have to go in and train people and I could work all the time and I could go out all the time in Toronto. And it's really easy to go out all the time in Toronto. And it caught up to me. And so I had these anxiety attacks that, you know, actually forced me to go to the emergency room twice in Toronto. So once to Toronto Western and once to St. Michael's and, you know, you walk in the emergency room and they take you to the back and they do these tests on you and they say, well, there's nothing actually wrong with you. And you go home. And, and then I spent the next, I would say it was about six months, if not seven months of trying everything, Tai Chi, Qigong, meditation, yoga. I hated all of them, but I knew I would do anything to overcome anxiety. And Anxiety is tough to explain to somebody else. Like people have felt stressed, but to actually have an anxiety attack is very difficult because, you know, you got a scar on your chin, right? And everybody can understand that probably would have hurt. I understand the pain. I understand what it's like to have my skin split open. I don't understand when you're standing there looking at me saying, I'm freaking out. I'm, you know, having an anxiety attack, but you look normal. And that's why there's such a stigma around it in the mental health world. And, I was fortunate that I was surrounded by good people who supported me. I was fortunate that I found some good instructors in those disciplines that I didn't like, but were very helpful. And then I was fortunate to have a voice to describe this issue. And I'm also fortunate enough that I don't care. Like no one could actually make fun of me. I'm like, oh, you have anxiety or anything like it, it doesn't bother me. So I've stood on stage and talked about this to hundreds of thousands of people so that the people that are struggling with it can understand that there is a way through it. And it's not easy, but it is possible to overcome that. And it starts with getting out of your own head and a whole bunch of stuff I talk in some of my books and we can unpack here. But I just want everybody to understand that it's it's something you can overcome. Yeah, I think I've, you know, 
for a long time. I'm human. I, I have had a successful career thus far, not necessarily as successful as I'd like it to be. I've, I've definitely danced with anxiety quite a bit. I describe it almost like uh, when I'm having bouts, it, you know, when you're like super thirsty on like a hot summer day or after a workout or, or mm-hmm. you know, like a golf uh, round of golf, whatever, and you just take that big sip of water and there's that uh, you know, moment. I don't drink yeah. pop, but it's what all the Coca-Cola commercials yeah, sound like. Yeah, you know exactly. what I mean? And uh, I just would feel like I couldn't quench my desire for air. It would just, it would all be, you know, up in the chest and, and yeah. I'd be really shallow. I remember the one, uh, I was a Washington Capitol at the time and they had made these huge uh, July 1st free agent acquisitions. And I, you know, was no dummy. I knew the depth chart game and I kind of knew, uh, barring a, a miracle where I might be playing, you know, in the minors that year. And my goodness, it was like probably four or five weeks where, you know, I feel like I was on the cusp, um, you know, and I was really young in my mental health journey there. I, I didn't have access, you know, to a, a, a mentor or someone, you know, like yourself who, and, and I guess this is why I've, I'm drawn to you and interested in talking to you is because you do have this really cool relationship with like, you're very old school, you're gritty, you work hard, you're up early, like you're not yep. screwing around, you're no nonsense, you, you, you don't hide that on your social media, you don't hide that on your website. Um, and it's really what, you know, has been a lot of the backbone of your career, but you have this uh, new school attention that you pay to like mind and spirit and you make room for that through your structure. And I think that's, you know, why I've really looked up to you as a, really as a resource as I go into this world trying to, you know, lead in my own style and regard. Um, you know, I've, I've really been, uh, I, don't know, I guess proud from my side of the fence to see, you know, how well you've done um, in the short time we've been friends. Well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I think that there's obviously the mindset around these things is shifting. And, you know, in Pat Quinn's day as a player, you know, he in the 1970s, that stuff wouldn't fly. But now today you take a look at in the NFL, you got a guy like Pete Carroll who does a lot of things. I'm not I don't know exactly in depth what he does, but he is a very different coach than Mike Ditka, right? Mm-hmm. And everybody's getting a whole lot more open to it. And it, and it serves us in two ways. One, there, there's no argument that meditation is a successful thing. It helps um, the, you know, we got to take that from the Eastern cultures. It is simply fantastic. And it, you know, their warriors used it. So why wouldn't we use it when we are warriors? And then also, on the flip side, it makes people like myself more comfortable sharing the problem. Would I have been as open about this in the 70s and 80s? I doubt it. I wouldn't have had an audience and you know, probably would have kept it inside and suffered in silence, which causes you anxiety in the first place. And now we see more celebrities. We see a greater rise in people seeking treatment for it. And I think you know, the numbers are way up in the number of people who report having it. But I think part of that is like the number of people that are willing to admit they have this problem is has gone up as well. So, again, it is something that you're, you're probably not going to take the exact same path to get rid of it as I am. You may find that there's a, a modality that works. I never used any uh, pharmaceuticals. You may need them. To, you know, you got to go to your doctor first. You absolutely have to go to your doctor yeah, first, well get said. a clean bill of health and then weigh all the options. Um, I was adamant that I would never use any pharmaceuticals. And, and so there were some tough nights, but I made it through. So where do you start with, with a client, you know, a, a high performer that comes to you, hires you, there is a strong pattern um, of self-sabotage. There is a hard relationship 
uh, with anxiety? Like where, where do you really start? And of course it's different individual to individual. Um, you know, but that's something I think is so interesting is that force of momentum, like how people go from zero to one and then they have no problem going from one to 100 on their goal. But yeah. that inertia, like getting off of zero and getting out of your own way is really difficult for a lot of people. And even, even myself, you know, at, at times I identify as being type A, I identify as being hard, you know, hardworking. These are, you know, core principles of, you know, how I've built my, myself and my life and, and, you know, my parents bestowed upon me as a kid. And it's even like, you know, even I have those days where, you know, I got to rely on like the first sweat rule. You know what I mean? Like you train until you get your first sweat. And then if you feel like, you know, trying again later, fine, but you never do, which is that odd nature, you know, of inertia. So the, there's a couple of things that can cause anxiety in any type of high performer. And I think that the way you describe experiencing it as a Washington capital is the same way that a business person or a busy parent who is, who is, whether they're a stay-at-home busy parent or whether they have a corporate job busy parent or you know a factory job and i use this analogy connor is that anxiety is caused by having too much clutter in our head and so if you think of the jigsaw puzzles that we played played with as kids or a lot of people are playing with now during quarantine is that when you pour that out or when you pour out a box of lego it is a giant mess and a lot of people have a giant mess up in their head and they never find any outlet for it. And when you keep everything up in your head, your mind races, your anxiety engine revs, and your wheels spin. And the more that you suppress something, the greater the explosion. So that's why we have to get the jigsaw puzzle pieces, the clutter out of our head. And whether that's through journaling, whether that's through brain dumping, which is something I tell people to do at the end of every day for productivity purposes, whether it is talking to a therapist, whether it is you know, quite frankly, I've done over 375 podcast interviews where I've been interviewed and I have told this story many times and it is actually therapeutic doing it. My books that I've written about it are therapeutic when I did those. And just getting the junk out of your head is the first step. Now, that seems pretty random or, you know, well, what do you do from there? So so what I help people do is I need to get a clear vision of what matters to you. So we help when an entrepreneur comes to me or an athlete comes to me, and I've, I've worked with a couple guys that um, this trainer friend of mine, Scott Prohaska, has sent over. Mm -hmm. Scott's you know very great trainer. He sent a couple guys my way, and I have them go through their vision. Uh, sorry, their values and their vision because your values and vision drive every decision. Your values and vision drive every decision. So. Your values are what matters to you, what do you want to accomplish in the next 10 years for your family, your health, your wealth, and the personal experiences side. And people like will write a whole bunch of stuff down for that. And then I move them on to, okay, well, taking that information of knowing what really matters to you in the next 10 years, you know, it's raising a family, it's living here, it's achieving these, uh, you know, accolades or financial rewards at work or through my hockey career. And then you know, I want to travel here. I want to travel here. I want to write a book. And then um, on my health side, I want to, you know, lose 20 pounds or whatever it is the person wants to do. And so like, okay, that's a clear picture of what you want to do. 
And then they they go and they create a vision for their life, generally about three to five years in advance. And that vision is like a movie script of their life. I'm going to be living here. You know, this is what my family is going to look like. This is what I'll accomplish in my business and my work and my career. And this is what I will have accomplished personally. And now I can sit there and when they write this out, answering a couple prompts that I give them in my in some of my books and in my coaching, then all of a sudden I go, okay, I see exactly what you want. And now we look at exactly how they are acting today, what their routine looks like. And here's where the problem comes in, Connor, is that, you know, if if anybody's watching this on video or can see it, um, or if you're not, just imagine I have one hand up at my chest and it's going across my body towards my right. The other hand is underneath that and it's going across my body to the left. And people will say, oh, yeah, I want to go in this direction in life. I want to raise well-adjusted children and I want to you know, lose 20 pounds. And then you see how their days are actually looking and the action, action steps take them like this. Well, you work 12 hours a day. You have a, an hour round trip commute or a two hour round trip commute. You eat at Burger King every day. You drink energy drinks. You drink five cups of coffee. Um, you don't talk to your wife except for, hey, did you pick the kids up? And you only give the kids two hours on a Saturday afternoon because you also work Saturday morning and then Sunday you golf. Where on earth in that actual performance is anything congruent with what you just said you wanted to achieve? And that's where the anxiety stems from is the incongruence between our goals and our actions. And this can be from that's an extreme example, but this can also be down at the I want to lose 10 pounds level. And I eat it, you know, I eat a Starbucks Frappuccino and an espresso brownie every afternoon. And then I have a bag of chips after dinner. Well, those actions are incongruent with the goal and you know it and you feel hypocritical and you're ashamed and all of that stuff drives the anxiety buildup. And if you don't fix it, if you don't cut it off, it's just like putting a lid on a boiling pot and you just crank up that temperature and all of a sudden, boom, it explodes. And that's what the anxiety attack, that's how I felt in my hindsight, looking at my life. That's what I believe it to be, not getting out of my own head and not living congruently. And that was where the trouble started. So that is where I start with people. And then once they've given me that information, Connor, now we can go down to the brass tacks and say, okay, well, you're going to do this, this, and this, and you're going to stop doing this, this, and this. And now we like, okay, well, here's how we're going to build the habits to make that change. Yeah, that... that skill to re- reverse engineer to get clear on what you actually want is something that, you know, you do need some stillness. You do need a moment of exhale, yeah. you know, to even evaluate what you want. And I, I, that is something, you know, cause we are doing this interview on quarantine that I do hope, you know, comes from this, right. There's a lot of grief in the world right now, but I, I know I have in my own life, you know, I've been grateful for the increased stillness. I've definitely learned a lot about myself and I'm going through that process right now where even I, I love my career. Uh, I, I, you know, train like a dog. I, I really try to, you know, study the game and, and, and trying to grow, you know, uh, into a, a more impactful player night in, night out. Um, but you know, part of that is, uh, the reason why I started this podcast really like looking on, you know, there were, uh, players that have made the jump, you know, post career that's going to come from, you know, uh, someday for all of us. Uh, and they have outside interests. And I think, you know, talking to, to people like yourself, it really, helps me like kind of, you know, feed the fire. Um, I, I just realized too, when you were talking the brain dump, I don't know if I've ever officially thanked you for that because you, mm-hmm. I think I've been advising, uh, younger players, um, you know, uh, 
friends fresh out of college that are, you know, kind of struggling with the next step to do more in their life, that the brain dump has been the absolute best sleep aid that I've added. Uh, I've always been a poor sleeper and I always Mm -hmm. had, you know, kind of my pitches. uh, I've had a pregame routine forever, like train, you know, you visualize, you listen to the song, you do a couple big breaths and boom, you go out and you, you try to hit like a train and score goals. Um, but no one, you don't see it in the movies, like the post game routine. And in the NHL, when you're playing 82 or hopefully closer to even a hundred games with training camp and the playoffs, you need to have a cool down process, you know, to get back up again. And, uh, you know, where I really started to know I needed a brain dump was what I, I was a young pro and I'd be sitting there on a bench. Uh, usually the games I was playing a lot, I'd be too in the flow state to, to think, but you know, some of the games where I, I wasn't getting the minutes, I'd be sitting there and I'd forget, I haven't paid my Comcast bill. You know, like, <laughs> like, like I'd have these like logistical nuances of my life that would, you know, cause they didn't live somewhere. They didn't have some sense of organization where I, I knew they had a safety net. They wouldn't fall to the wayside and the, the brain dump is outstanding. Um, you know, I, I, Really hope anyone that's listening can give that a shot, particularly uh, pre-bedtime um, has been, you know, super important for me. So what is, what is kind of your next, you know, values and vision? What are you trying to really live out, you know, next for you in this time? Because you've built this successful career and I know you, you have this ambition to, you know, continue to do more. Uh, you're very impact focused. You're very help focused, um, which has gifted you a lot of the things that success breeds. Uh, but what are you dreaming up next? Well, it's interesting. There is a, a few parallels here in that I retired from a career much like you will eventually in any of the players listening. I retired from the fitness career in about when I was about 40 years old. So I was selling my information programs from 2001 up to 2015. You can still find them, but we don't promote them. I don't make fitness videos anymore. Um, I have one that's actually been watched six and a half million times on YouTube, and it it still makes me money to this day, which is great. But I'm just I just got tired of it, just like eventually some guys get tired of playing. And I want I had been doing a lot of work on the side, just like you are of, you know, extracurricular work. I was coaching other people um, and some of it was paid. And then I decided I was going to make the full leap. I wrote a book. Writing a book is an incredible experience and something that everyone, I think, should do. And they should get a little bit of help first because I did it the wrong way of I just went and wrote a whole bunch of stuff and then tried to assemble it. The key to writing a book for anybody that ever wants to write one is coming up with the right outline first. Even if you spend an extra month figuring out the outline, it will save you probably a year in writing of the book and editing the book to get it to fit the eventual outline. So, so I, you know, spent a couple of years writing a book the wrong way, eventually got it out in 2015. And that allowed me to transition into the coaching that I do today. The coaching that I do today, I don't think that I will ever stop because the coaching that I do right now, it's every single day, somebody brings me a new puzzle, a fascinating puzzle. Uh, with, you know, logical problems and then absolutely irrational problems that, you know, because of human emotion and figuring out how to solve these problems is really, really fun for me. And I want to build the way I would describe it is I want to build the biggest and best small business coaching program in the world. So if anybody's familiar with Tony Robbins coaching, there's, you know, Tony Robbins has some coaching, but then he has hundreds of Tony Robbins certified coaches out there who deliver Tony's uh, type of method and training to you. 
and I have systems built and I have several assistant coaches right now. And my goal is to get hundreds of these assistant coaches out there doing coaching my style with my methods. And the cool thing is, is that we've built just these these great worksheets that when you get people's values and vision out of their head, it's like getting that jigsaw puzzle out of somebody's head, you know, of, of a box and then they can assemble it on their own. It's not like we have to assemble it. It just becomes clear through these logical steps. And so I want that system in everybody's hand. I've written books about it. I make videos about it. And I want to, you know, eventually we're going to have to figure out, well, how does artificial intelligence come into this? And all these things, like it's not going to be the same, you know, coaching world in five years from now as it is today. A lot of people will make the best use of technology. Some people will try and do it the old school way and it won't work. Just like coaching in the NHL, it's yep. not the same. I mean, constantly evolving. Yeah, you can't, you know, imagine 1970s having a 32-year-old GM or whatever that young guy is for Toronto. <laughs> yeah, Kyle Dew. Yeah. Kyle Dew is it just the guy you, you know, for me. Obviously, he's, a, he's adapting. There's going to be young coaches coming along adapting and bringing new methods, and I've got to keep up with that. So I'm really excited for that because I just know that, you know, the way you described me at the start, no BS, straight to the point, and systems, focus. And we do this. We take this very rigid a disciplinary approach so that when you apply it to the work, it actually gives you more freedom to go and do whatever the heck you want in those hours outside of work. That's the key. Discipline, structure, focus within the work time so that you are free otherwise. It's very much like a really great training session doesn't need to be three hours long. A great training session give, you know, can be short because it's quality training and that then gives you more time to recover and more time to, you know, enjoy the body that you've built from training and the results of it. So that's, you know, that's my next chapter. I don't have another book exactly outlined in my head, but these days I'm just filming a ton of video and getting better at that skill and also um, in, in my speaking and, and doing stuff like this. Well, I think it's so important. You're talking about getting those values and the vision on paper. And it's like, how, how do you do a jigsaw? You know, to, to run with that analogy is like, you stare at what the picture looks like on the box. Like if you, if you didn't know what you were aspiring to even create or what this organization should look like, it's very difficult to know which way is up to have a, a North star. You know, I guess that's something that, you know, even, um, you know, my, my wife and I, we've talked a lot about it. Like what, you know, we're, we're both 26. We're kind of in a, you know, a, a growing up element, uh, age of our life where it's like, okay, you know, what do we want to walk the walk of, you know, the next yeah. five, 10 years, what do we want for us? What do we want for ourselves? What do we want for our career? Um, and it's, it's really fulfilling to go there. Like it could be scary a little bit to, you know, kind of scratch at that and, and start to uncover, you know, um, you know, your deepest, darkest wants. Cause you do have to stare at, and you have a relationship with this when you know what you want and you write it in black and white, you write it on paper, uh, you have to kind of deal with the pain that you're not quite there yet. And, you know, you have this relationship with, you know, you talk about it in the, in the perfect day formula where, and I think it's so cool. You have this dual like relationship with perfection where you spend the time to design what it looks like and to pursue it, but you don't let it totally bog and slow you down. And how did you, like, what's your relationship with that? How did you develop that? Well, I, I'm impatient in a way. And so my impatience serves me a little bit in that I would rather just get something done. And 
I I really do want it perfect, but at the end of the day, I want to get it done more than I want it perfect. And so many people let that perfectionism hold them back. I'm much more okay with imperfect action beats perfect in action. And so it and it, it's funny. So right now, um, my my girlfriend is build, building a beauty uh, coaching program essentially, mm-hmm. and she's doing some social media marketing. And it's been interesting to see me who like i am totally okay with doing a video once and oh yeah i screwed that part up i screwed that part up i don't care it's going on instagram and it's interesting to see somebody who hasn't posted videos before particularly in that marketplace as well where image is very very important and to you know 10 takes to do the video well no you know take number two was perfect and eventually being able to help her overcome that and then she overcomes it and, and you realize like if you make a mistake and you put something out there, you realize like, oh, wait a minute, you know, nobody, nobody made fun of me or anything. And they actually, th- you know, more people thanked me. And, and it's funny because, you know, she's been consistent with posting and now she's getting all these messages saying, you're killing it, you're killing it. And we sit around and laugh and we go, if these people only knew how much, you know, work goes into this stuff and, and you know, they think it's easy and we're pros and all of that. It's not, but simply by taking action, people see that and they make these assumptions that you're doing these, you know, you're, you're the world's greatest, but you're like next to Oprah or JLo because you're taking action. And so the big lesson here is if you, if you let perfectionism hold you back, you're gonna really be struggling. You're gonna get anxiety. And it's actually so much better to become at one with imperfection. And, and when I was, you know, just getting out of that anxiety phase, it was also when my business really took off in 2006. And I started getting a lot of negative emails, you know, really ridiculous um, criticism from people. And one day it really got to me and I gave up and I said, I just got to go for a walk. And it was that walk that really changed my mind about criticism because I went outside and you know nobody's yelling my name nobody's throwing rocks at me i was just able to walk around when you're a famous pro hockey player in a city like toronto you probably wouldn't be able to you know to to do that but for 99 of people listening if somebody criticizes you on the internet in most cases it's an anonymous source of criticism it's not their real name they're hiding behind it and these these critics are actually cowards they wouldn't say it to your face just like you know, a hockey fan that's up in the crowd, they would they would boo somebody. But if they saw them, you know, at the mall in the off season, they'd be the first person to get their photo taken with them. We all know these people, and it's just it's just human nature to criticize. So you know, going back to the perfection side of things, that was a huge stepping stone for me when I realized at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. And that actually, you know, if we want to talk about stoicism and stuff, the stoic approach to life, like. We're all going to die and, you know, make the most of your life. And so make the most of your life is not hiding behind perfectionism. It's doing and getting things done and making an impact. Yeah, I love the the stoic philosophy. Ryan Holiday uh, got me into a little bit. I do the daily stoic every every day. It's a like a little one pager um, reflection. I love it because now I'm on my second year of owning it. Mm-hmm. And I used to uh, uh, like write notes and things like that. So I'm able to readdress and re-see like, what my yeah. relationship with the text is, you know, now uh, a year later. Um, right. And it's been really cool. And, you know, I thought it was interesting. You said where 
you know, no one's throwing stones at you. And this has been, um, I got to ask a lot because I'm pretty active on social media and the, and the podcast was a big step. I was pretty fearful of judgment, you know, initially when I launched it. Now it's been, it's been a blast. I get great feedback. Right. I get to talk with people like you. It, it's been um, a lot of fun. And what I've found is people that are critical kind of throw their stone and that's the end of them. Like they, they even if they're going to throw their rock, they do it once and you never hear from them again. Yeah. But the people that you impact with the positivity of your message or the people that connect with, you know, me and, and my service and, 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 and your coaching, like that's real and it sticks. And there's, you, you, you go deep with that person where you build a relationship for an extended period of time. I have countless, um, you know, Instagram friends turn real friends. I have con, uh, uh, a lot of different, uh, close, uh, ex teammates I grew up with and things like that, that are, gaining something from, you know, like our, our podcast and, and the information and, and story that we're, we're telling week in, week out. So for me, like, it's so worth the risk to try to do your best to, to, you know, the, the sexy word that's out there is like, serve your genius, you know? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I just love it when somebody has been hesitating, 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 finally, just for whatever reason, just says, you know, screw it, let's do it, which is the name of one of Richard Branson's books. And when you do say that, you go, because here's the thing, here's the thing that I always say to people, and it's, it's tongue in cheek, but it's serious, is, listen, if, if you are not doing something because of criticism, well, there's already people talking behind your back. There's already people who don't love you and worship you. So you may as well give them something real to talk about and just go out there and step into that greatness because they're already criticizing you. Give them something to have fun with. Well, and that Teddy Roosevelt quote about being the man in the arena, like, is there yeah. any like that? Uh, good for him having like the organization, the framework to say that so powerfully. Cause I, I quote it in my life um, all the time. Yeah. It's not the critic who counts. And, and I actually, I made a video about dealing with critical people today. It just happened to be the video that my team wanted. And I, I only remember the first line of it, but it is the, you know, it's not the critic who counts. It's, and it's, you know, it's a man in the arena and the blood and sweat and tears and dust and all that sort of stuff. And it's, I mean, it's a long quote, but it's a fantastic quote. And I try and encourage people to understand that because again, when you, when you get feedback from people and I have, I have spoken at a lot of events of people who have followed me for years and it's kind of weird and you'll get this too eventually you know like oh man i've been following you for years and all this sort of stuff and to like you can make an impact on people in 179 countries all over the world and you just don't know what that good will do and we've heard everything from people saved marriages you know saved one guy said we saved his soul another person you know saved me from suicide all this stuff all because i did something that i wanted to do that i knew would have good impact and i don't have any idea how any of these people find me sometimes but they found me and they found me at the right time and i'm just so grateful that i could have an impact like that and you gotta you gotta put if you're weighing things on a scale you gotta put that as like you know, give it a, a 10,000 X versus the criticism, which is, should be, you know, hardly regarded at all. Well, and I thought what was really cool where, you know, when you were able to take that walk and kind of reframe your relationship with criticism, mm -hmm. that sounds like to me, like you're able to, uh, in the moment, remove yourself from a little bit of work and just a, a, a 
bit of rest, just a little bit of an exhale, and you were able to totally reorganize. And that's been something that uh, as a high performer, you know, I don't want to, I want to be, have focused work. I don't want to have, uh, there's a lot of bleeding. I find like in today's world where, you know, you see someone working out, but they're on their phone and, and yeah. you know, they're, they're on social media and then actually when they're actually trying to produce something on social media, then they're answering work emails and, and uh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, when you when, well, most of the time, when I, the people I'm dealing with, when they're at home, they're thinking about work. When they're at work, they're thinking about home and they are so, they are so, you know, non-present that that causes a massive amount of stress and anxiety in them as well. So we just want, you know, the, the Jim Rohn, the uh, very famous uh, speaker from a previous era said, wherever you are, be there. The end. So in, in your career, do you have any examples of like a rest period that really led to uh, like an exponential breakthrough? Because I want, I want to kind of show our work and show proof that having structure and having routine allows for you to exercise and automate your habits and your genius and in your skill set. Uh, but where has, how important has rest and sustainability been in your career? Well, when I had those anxiety attacks, I went through a period where I continued to work a little bit, but most of my time was spent on mental recovery. So it was spent reading, it was spent, you know, Go running across Toronto to go to my Qigong session and then off to a meditation session and then, you know, learning about something else. And, you know, I was not training because oh, I don't want to elevate my heart rate any more than it already is. And I started doing long walks and then I got a dog and started doing long walks with the dog and I got a lot of mental recovery that way. So it was by going through that dip in my life, you know, it was the, the lowest point on my hero's journey. It didn't seem like recovery at the time, but it set me up with so many rituals and routines and habits that when I went back into hardcore work, I'm able to withstand exponentially more pressure today. And I, I'll never have another anxiety attack. You could load me up on caffeine. You could give me 100 coaching calls in a day. You could give me the worst news of my life. And I've got all these tools in my toolbox from that period of time that have served me well. I'll, I'll use an analogy here that has also served me well. So when I was 16 years old, I got into weight training and bodybuilding and I read all the muscle magazines and I remember reading a, a magazine and it listed all these calorie uh, amounts for common foods. And I studied it and, you know, and then I would read maybe a couple more magazine articles. And by just starting a little bit like that, I can go into a restaurant and I can know exactly how much I can eat for a thousand calories or how much I need. I, I'm only allowed to eat for 800 calories because of that period of nutrition knowledge that I learned in three days. It's kept me lean, even though I don't work out as much anymore. It's kept me lean at 44. I still have 10% body fat and I don't even train that hard because I know, okay, this is enough. This is how much this is. And I know in general how many calories I need for the day and I'm good. And so it's those deep dives. That's what you're really looking for. You're looking for leverage points. If I know this information, how can it serve me for the longest time and in the most significant capacity? And that's the type of knowledge and that you want to get and the type of, you know, 
benefit you get from recovery activities. Like you do everything you possibly can to, to recover. You've tried everything. And I think when we talked on my podcast, you said it was sleep. So therefore you do everything you can to improve the quality of sleep. And if your sleep period is, is, you know, an eight or nine out of 10, you can, you can get a little icing on the cake with this supplement or with this treatment or something. But as long as the sleep is dialed in, you know, you have that for the rest of your life. And that is a leverage point that you can play off of into so much more greatness. Yeah. I think that like that, uh, if you can recommit, if I can recommit to that deep work and that deep focus and that skill acquisition, it really is a gift you, know, you can keep on giving yourself. And that's, I think something I'm, you know, trying to discover and explore even now, because when I was four or five, all the way to 15, 16, that's what I did. I thought this way. I thought I want to play in the National Hockey League someday. I want to uh, be able to, to have the career, the salary, the uh, stability. I haven't had a, a ton of that in my career, but it's something I'm working towards. And I really thought along those lines, like I want to be able to gift myself the experience of being able to live out my dream. Um, and, and now I'm really trying to engage in, in another, you know, this is a, has been a really fun passion of mine and really a great source of momentum for other areas of my life. And, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, you nailed it where you talked about, you know, sleep and keeping the main thing, the main thing, uh, yeah. and, and investing in what'll give you the biggest bang for your buck. Craig, I know you've got a role, uh, here shortly, you know, but one question I've been asking, um, a lot of, uh, of my guests is, you know, what in the world right now is Lee is, uh, what in the world right now? Sorry. How did I want to phrase this? What I've been asking a lot of my guests, uh, is what in the world right now is lighting you on fire? So, you know, I talk about it like a thought, uh, that's pulling on mom and dad's shirt, you know, and they're having an adult conversation. Uh, what has been, you know, really just been, uh, a source of ambition for you, a thought that you want to leave people with as we are still on quarantine. Uh, it's, it's interesting times. And as someone that, you know, you do deal with a lot of this entrepreneurial anxiety and performance, I think you'd be an awesome person to talk with that about. Well, the thing that's really getting me excited is, you know, if it wasn't for the pain that it, the quarantine is causing a lot of people, this is the most exciting time of my career. The, the problems that I'm solving for people, I have a lot of clients whose businesses have actually never been better. Those in the health and nutrition space, you know, because people are flooding into buying nutritional supplements. And I have a lot of clients who own supplement companies. And so helping them solve those problems. And then on the flip side, helping people get creative about saving their businesses and saving their uh, financial futures. It's, and then seeing them succeed has been absolutely you know, mind expanding. And what I've discovered is that there are some people that will lean into troubles and there are some people that shut down and run away. And, you know, all I can say is that you can't run away from your problems. And whether it is anxiety that I tried to run away from, I could have solved it if I would have leaned into it and had difficult conversations. And if you have a business and things are struggling right now, it's not going to get better by going and having a six pack of beer after work. You know, you're not going to get rid of your problems like that. If you're a guy who's on the edge of, uh, you know, making the team or not making the team, it's not going to get any better if you just hold all your problems inside and you don't ask mentors and coaches like, what can I do better? What, can, you know, being open, honest and vulnerable and asking for help and setting the ego aside 
is one of the most important things you can do. And then when you know the path, it is committing to the path, committing to it, having a lot of non-negotiables in your life that make a lot of success easy. So I have non-negotiables like I get up at 3.57 a.m. every single day. That is non-negotiable for me. I write for uh, and, and do 1500 words at some point, you know, that's my word count for the day. I do 30 minutes hard exercise. I do, I do a couple other things every single day. They are non-negotiable. I will always do them. And by having those things in place, they give my life's uh, routine and security and that structure that we all need when the chaos is happening outside you know what, we need ourselves to be structured because if we let ourselves get chaotic, then all of a sudden the anxiety will build up. So my message to everybody is figure out what works for you. Build a, a structured system around it so that you get the basics done every day and then lean into difficult conversations. Find the path, the right path for you, and then just put your head down. And, you know, if it's a steep mountain, you got to climb it. If it's a muddy hill, you got to climb it. You just, there's no other option because what else are you going to do? Quit? Never. Not you. Craig, thank you for sharing that. And really just being a living leader and embodying a lot of these, these habits, you do walk the walk. Um, and I think you do a really good job talking the talk in an organized way that, you know, people can digest and apply to their own life. Uh, Craig, I, I appreciate it. I'm sorry we can't, uh, you know, grab a smoothie or, or hit up uh, Jacob's Steakhouse there in Toronto. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, Someday. The in due time, man. In due time. Yeah, and so. Sushi when you come out here in normal, Absolutely. you know, new normal time. Absolutely. Yeah. So if people want to grab my book, um, they can go to freeperfectdaybook.com, which is my first book, Perfect Day Formula. And then I actually love email. So if anybody ever wants to email me, they can email me at Craig at Godfather.com. That's my real email address, Craig at Godfather.com. And then if you're an Instagram type person, I'm on there the most. So you can find me at real Craig Ballantyne. Get a hold of me any way that you need to. Uh, it's my life's mission to help people overcome the anxiety and, and get through whatever they're getting through so that they can go and then just, you know, accelerate in life. I appreciate uh, your time today. And Thanks for your excellence. And I, I look forward to talking to you again, man. Have a, have a good rest of your day. All right. Awesome. Thanks, brother. Thanks, brother. Thank you everyone for joining us today. Uh, Craig, clearly an exceptional individual. He, uh, he really walks the walk. I talked about it in the intro. I, I knew we'd talk about it in the podcast. Uh, I really appreciate his sense of, of accountability, looking into your pain, understanding uh, how to build a life of authenticity, a life of alliance, you know, to get clear on those values and that vision, uh, like Craig talked about. I also, you know, want to rebring up how uh, discipline equals freedom. That's something I know uh, Jocko talks a lot about, which is a podcast I listen to often. Um, a lot of the high performers that I look up to in my life have this really clear sense of when you tackle the things that mean the most to you in your life uh, and, and create time and room for them. It allows you to have uh, better rest time and kind of have these, uh, we talk about it in the Robin Sharma podcast too, like the dual cycles of high performance and achievement. And finally, you know, one of the things that I love uh, talking with Craig about is his sense of impact. I think, you know, Craig does consult with a lot of business coaches and how to improve profits and revenues and how those uh, fill the bank account. But you can tell the true happiness from his career 
is his sense of fulfillment, his sense of service and how it fills the soul. It's something that uh, I'm trying to do more of in my life, trying to look at, you know, where I can lead, uh, what garden, you know, is near me that I can tend to, that I can touch. Uh, And it's something I urge you, our listener, uh, to go inward and and check in on some of these things with yourself and see where you can be bigger in your life. Uh, Thank you again for joining us today. I really look forward to next week. Um, And that's it for today's Connor Carrick podcast. Lastly, I want to thank our listener. Please continue to leave a five-star review, uh, comment, like, subscribe, uh, share with friends and family. It really helps uh, us grow this podcast, grow our platform, uh, and really feel good about myself, frankly, because if you leave a four-star review, I'll probably stop doing the podcast. Um, I'm just kidding. If there were any memorable uh, quotes in particular that you loved from Craig today, also, I want to ask that you send them to me on social media, either on Twitter or on Instagram, and just do hashtag uh, CCPod. Uh, I'm really curious what is uh, sticking with you, our listener, and, and give me some insight on topics that you'd like to hear more about. So please uh, join me and give me some feedback that way, and I look forward to next week.